0: So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Hello and welcome to Fire in the Valley. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we have the Phil Barth. Good afternoon to you, sir. Good afternoon or evening to you. It's great to be here. Well, it's evening for me, afternoon for you. So yeah, we're sort of, we're we're, uh, multi-continental. So (laughs) we'll just go with the usual, sort of good morning, good evening, good night. (laughs) So let's cover them all. Welcome to the show Phil so tell us who are you what do you do and where are you from My name is
1: Phil Barth I am from Ohio in the United States born and raised spent my 50 plus years in basically in the same state I am currently the I am the author of a book Great Things Happen Every Day it's the result of my recovery from a heart attack in 2015 so in 2015 I started feeling badly and wound up in the hospital. I left my son at summer camp where I was with him, and me, wound up in the hospital, and they diagnosed me with a small heart attack. Yeah. felt bigger than small to me, but the doctor assured me it was a small heart attack. And they gave me a couple of stents. After that, the doctor, the surgeon who performed the operation, yeah, you know, I thought I was going to get the usual lecture about, you know, stop eating so much fat, stop eating so much salt, stop drinking so much coffee. And, and I got all of those, but this particular surgeon said, you need to manage your stress. I said it's just not worth it. You need to manage stress. And he said, I want you to take a week off every three months. Just take a week off, unplug, if you can do that. And so I did. And I didn't do it until the very end of the three months. But then my wife said, okay, we're taking a week off. And we just did a staycation. We didn't go anywhere, but we stayed home. And we took our youngest son to the zoo one day. And we took, uh, took him to the art museum another day. And at the end of the day, I got on social media and I just listed, hey, here were the great things about today. And, and these were the great things that happened. And I started listing them every day. And I thought, well, it's easy to do when you're going to the zoo and going to the art museum and so on. But what happens when I go back to work and what happens when things get a little rough? And the answer is I could still find great things that were happening. And the big deal about that was it lowered my stress when I started looking for what was positive in my life, when I started looking for what was positive around me in people, places, etc., cetera, my stress just lowered because I wasn't constantly focused on what was going wrong. So the next thing, you know, my wife said, you know what? You should write a book. I said, well, let me give it a try. And so I wrote a book and the title of the book is great things happen every day. It is, I call it an international best sort of seller because after I released it on Kindle, it was free. And I put a I put some some messages out on forums on Reddit and so on for free books, and, and so it went to number one on the free books, and I sold you know it, there were a thousand sales. I just didn't get any money for it, so I'm not sure if that counts as a sale or not. But it's sort of a seller, and it it was number one when we released it. That wasn't the point of it. The point was I wanted to help a few people learn how to manage stress, and I continued to do that for people on social media, or when I talk to that, when I talk to groups, it's just, let's find a way to enjoy life a little bit more and stress a little less. Were you stressed? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was almost a stress junkie. I would, yeah. You know, Get up first thing in the morning, and as I'm making a pot of coffee, I would use my Keurig K-cup maker to get a quick cup of coffee so I could get the adrenaline and the caffeine rush. And I never really thought about it. this. Is before the heart attack, obviously, and it didn't even occur to me. But I was just I could do it all. I'm going to solve the world's problems. There's you know, and if things are bad, I'm going to blow off steam and yell and complain. And the funny thing was, well, it's funny in hindsight. I, I, took some, I had to take some time off work to recover from the heart attack. And when we came back, when I came back, my boss called me and he said, look, there was this pet project you wanted that, that you wanted the company to do. And while you were gone, we decided we're not going to do it. And I said, okay. And he looked at me like, oh who are you and, and I don't know this person because the old Phil would have just complained and thrown things and yelled, how can we not do this? And he said, what changed about you? And I said, well, uh, I had a heart attack and I've realized that there are certain things not worth stressing about. If people in this company decided that that project wasn't what we wanted to do. Okay. You know, I don't have control over that. I tried. So I, I and that's part of it right? Is you can stress about a million things. You can stress about traffic, but you're not going to be able to do anything about it if you're stuck in traffic. So why stress? Why yell at other people? You know, worry about those things where you have control.
0: What, what age were you when you, when you had
1: the hard talk? I was, Oh, you're going to make me do math. Boy, it's late today to be doing math. I was 53, 50, 52. One of those two, (laughs) 2015, 2015. I was 50, I was 52 years old when I had the heart attack. And, and it was funny because I say it was funny about things that really aren't really funny, but a couple, maybe three or four months before the heart attack, I ran into a friend of mine, then he's a professional speaker and a, uh, a pastor and so on. And I hadn't seen him in a while. I said, well, Tom, what's new? And he said, well, I had a heart attack. And I'm thinking, but you're my age, you're my size. You know, we're both about 10 pounds overweight. I couldn't believe that he had had a heart attack. It just isn't supposed to happen to people like us. And I said, so, so tell me about it. And, you know, if you ask a professional speaker slash pastor to tell you a story, it, it was a long story. But what he did was he listed off everything leading up to the heart attack in the three months and, and what, what he was experiencing. And it was with about, about a month or less to go. I started thinking, you know what, what I'm feeling right now, Tom told me about me before he had his heart attack. And I didn't want to believe. Right. But when I started really feeling bad, I said, we need to go to the hospital. And, and I was lucky to have met Tom at the time that I did or, or to have made that connection at that point, because, had I ignored it, my wife and I were getting ready. I was going to speak at a conference in Las Vegas the next week. And it was going to happen, right? It was a small one. It couldn't become a big one if we didn't fix it. And I would have been 2,000 miles from home, probably, and then wound up with a worse situation and in the hospital there.
0: you believe in fate?
1: I do. I do. I, I believe he was probably put in my path for a reason. Um, I don't know. You know, it could, you could always mathematically say, well, it's a coincidence, right? You know, mathematically, none of us are supposed to be here because my parents met on a blind, blind date and I don't know how their parents met, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So mathematically I'm not supposed to be here. None of us are because it's what is it? It's probably one in 7 billion. But I also believe that despite the, despite the st- my statistics knowledge and all that, I believe in fate. Yeah.
0: I believe he was put there. Yeah. And do you think that your heart attack was supposed to happen?
1: I believe that sometimes God or a higher power of some sort will do things to get your attention. Um, You know, in hindsight, did I have some habits that had I not had them, I would have not had a heart attack? Sure. and, And... this is not going to exactly answer the question, but I'm going to. It's a little bit of digression. I would see people after I had that heart attack, and I would say, you know what? I was like 10 to 15 pounds overweight. That person is way, way heavier than I am. How come I had the heart attack? Or, or I don't smoke, and that person smokes. How come I had the heart attack? And, and the answer was because my arteries filled up because of some choices I was making around stress and around some diet way too much caffeine, lack of sleep, and not enough exercise. So um, I I believe for a variety of reasons, I needed to have that heart attack because if I hadn't had the heart attack, the book wouldn't exist. The change in my mindset wouldn't exist. And I wouldn't be helping as many people as I have.
0: And it almost sounds like a bit of a midlife crisis too. I mean, to shake your values, is that, is that almost a, a sort of a side effect at the same time? was it questioning your your view, your mortality too.
1: Yeah, it, it absolutely did. Um, I remember one time it was earlier. I, when I was in my early forties, I ran, I decided to, um, in honor of somebody who passed away from cancer, I decided to run in a half marathon, 13.1 miles, uh, how many kilometers that is. And my wife said, you know, that's really an interesting midlife crisis choice because, you know, you're not having an affair with a 21 year old college co-ed. I, I didn't realize that was an option <laughs> but, or or you're not going out and getting a fancy sports car. I'm like, boy, I'm, I'm running a 13.1 miles. Uh, so I didn't consider that a midlife crisis. I did because nothing changed about my values. Right. I, I ran in a half marathon. I you know, raise some money for a a friend who had passed away for his family. And that was that this, this was a a complete change of values, a complete look at what's important to me and and reframing, you know, it is the job and, and 60 hours a week on this job, the most important thing to me, or is it my wife, three sons, our dogs, you know, my parents, my in-laws and so on. And, and once you start looking at it that way, I hesitate to call it a midlife crisis. It was a midlife wake up call and and things got a lot better. You know, crisis implies that things got worse. It, things got a lot better.
0: Interesting, because i mean, I've, I know even in my own book there, you know, I reframed it as midlife opportunity. Right. So it's that sort of, you know, it's, it's the re reviewing it, the way you look at things, you know, I think that's a, you know, not, that I think is great. You know, so sort of look at you know, great things happen every day. That 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 in itself is a great, great idea, a great thing to say, right? You know, so you're forcing yourself. Or what? You tell me. What what what's sort of brought it all about? Was it the timeout that allowed you to share those good things?
1: So so yeah,
0: once, once I once I started
1: doing it, that became a an, almost a personal challenge. I have to keep doing this. I have to keep finding the great things that happen. And there was a study. I didn't know this at the time. I've learned it since there's a study in 1957 scientific American put the results out and they call it the brain's reticular activation system. And, and basically, you know, you buy a new car and it's a, uh, a, a gray Honda Accord and all of a sudden you can't believe how many gray Honda Accords are on the ro- in the room or on the road rather. And, and, and so it's basically what it says is whatever you look for, whatever you train your brain to look for accidentally or on purpose, you're going to find. And so I started training my brain to look for the great things that were happening in life and it got so much easier. And so I was able to see, you know, it just it they appeared and it's like the universe gave them to me. And I, I don't know that it's the universe given to me, or is I just have it in the back of my mind, like, oh, there's a sunrise. That's that is a great thing. I love that. I'll take a picture of it. Or, you know, the dog jumped up on my lap. It, it had muddy feet, but there's a dog on my lap giving me love, and and that's just a great moment. And, and the other thing I realized through all of this was, you know when I first thought, I was like, oh, great things. It has to be something huge. It has to be a trip to the zoo. It has to be, you know, we saw this wonderful Monet or Manet work of art at the museum. It doesn't. It can be just a a hug from my wife in the morning. It can be just uh, the, the actual title of the book is Finding Joy with Friends, Family, and Banana Milkshakes. And, And I chose banana milkshakes on purpose because it's so simple. You cut up a banana, you put in some frozen yogurt, some milk, you put it in the blender. 15 seconds later, you've got a banana milkshake. And and then I make one for my wife and my son. And we're just having this little moment together. And you just learn to find that moment and appreciate it. And it just it feels so right and so good.
0: I find that. I mean, I love that. It's, you know, is it the simplicity of it? It's just doesn't need to be overly complicated. Is it always, I mean, do you pick a certain number of points or is it just a certain amount of time? What's, what's your, what's your format?
1: I, at first it had to be the top 10 things, the top 10 great things. And it evolved, you know, some days the list will be 14 items and some days the list will be three or four. or or the list might say here was something great that happened yesterday. And here's some reasons why yesterday, uh, yesterday actually was my birthday and we had a, we had a birthday party Um, and, and and the birthday party just consisted of my in-laws coming over. And we had a cup of, uh, uh, of decaf with some Bailey's in it. And we sat around and had our, our decaf and Bailey's in the evening. And the, they gave me my card and my, a gift. And it was just this really cool time. So, so right there, is that one thing or is that eight things? Cause it wound up being about eight bullet points on the list today. You know, we had had the Bailey's, I got some gifts. I got to laugh with my father-in-law. I got to, yeah. You know, and, and so there was that and, and my wife made me dinner. So there's no set number. It's just Here's what, I, here's what made me feel good, and I'm going to put it out on social media, and I hope two things happen. Number one, when people read it, I hope they feel better. And number two, and I've challenged people to do this, and there's several people who are doing it, do your own list. For the month of November, put your great things out there. For the current month, whatever month, put your great things out there and tag me on it. I want to learn from you too. And I've had quite a few people that are putting it out there. And and it just, I love that somebody else is finding what's really just, and nobody is climbing Mount Everest on these lists. They're just, I had dinner with my wife. I I took a walk around the block. And, And I love that it's just this mini movement of people using social media to spread lower stress, love, whatever you want to say because a lot of people use social media for other purposes, right?
0: It is all about, is it, is it taking the time to appreciate and to and relish the experience? Is that what it is? Cause I mean, is it a slowing down process? It's a, as opposed to numbingly, just chowing down your dinner and running out the door and doing this and doing that. Right. It's, it's, is it a slowing down process or is it a, essentializing process. What is it? it? It is a bit of a slowing down process. And,
1: you know, there was a lot of, a lot of bad came out of this pandemic. And, and there were a lot of you know, people got sick, people died, but the one good thing that we experienced as a family was we slowed down. We did some jigsaw puzzles. We, we watched some silly stuff on TV and, and we got the, the rat race, for to use the expression, just kind of slowed down, and and I remember telling my wife, I said, I don't want it to go back to the way it was. Now it does a little, you know, things are things are speeding back up, and and we have a lot of meetings and 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 so on that in places to be and people to see and all that, but it is the slowing down. There's value in that, and and when I first did it, I did it at the end of the day. I was like, okay, what well, was great about today? I now do it first thing in the morning because that forces me to slow down and reflect before I ever start the day, because I was really good about, you know, cup of coffee as I'm headed out the door and just going headlong into whatever the day holds and not, not taking that, you know, that three to five minutes of just saying, okay, here's what's good in life. So there was a study, another, another study, they did this, uh, about ten years ago, and it was a couple of professors from Harvard University. And what they they, they divided their group into two two uh, sections. So the first section was given three minutes of bad news, just regular news, uh, because the news is bad, right? You turn on the news, we're going to hear about death, disease, whatever. They started their day with three minutes of bad news. The other group started their day with three minutes of solution focused news not necessarily you know unicorns and rainbows and everybody's happy and and and, and loving each other just solution focused then at the end of the day they surveyed how was your day and the group that had 3 minutes of bad news at the start of their day was 27% more likely to report having a bad day so all of a sudden you giving yourself a if you do that you're giving yourself a 1 in 4 chance of having a bad day when, what I do is I reflect, I, I pull off the computer, here's what was great, put myself in the right mindset. As I said, we've got dogs, and it's really hard to have a bad start to a day when dogs want to tell you how wonderful you are and, and sit on your lap, you know, after you feed them, of course, and and just you know, give you give you that love. And that sets the mindset for the day. It's it's not a hundred percent. I will occasionally have a bad day, but it's a whole lot fewer of bad days than it used to be.
0: Do you see this as a, is this positive mindset? Is this, is this mind training? Is it what exactly, how would you describe it? You know, are you a positive person? I mean, is that your thing?
1: I am, but not, it's not just all positive all the time. You, you can't be I heard a quote from Zig Ziglar that said all sunshine and no rain puts you in a desert. It's it, and and positive thinking is not the answer. You can't think positively 100% of the time. That's not realistic. I I do think that the way I the way I figured it is, you know, let's just say you got a 30-day month. And let's say 10% of those days, 3 are going to be good no matter what. No matter how hard you try to screw them up, you're going to have three really great days. And on the other end, there's going to be three really bad days. And and it's not going to matter how much positive thinking you have or, or anything. Those days are going to be bad. Well, that leaves 24 in the middle. And your attitude can make or break you. And, and maybe it's six, six and, and uh, whatever that number would be, 18. But but there's a certain number of days in the middle where having the right attitude will make them better and they will make your life better. And that's that's what I'm trying to do is I I know I'm going to have a bad day now and then. It happens. Life happens. But I want to put as many on the positive side of the ledger as I can.
0: That's awesome. I mean, it, it, it's obviously been game changing for you, right? You know, it's been, right. you know, a whole, whole different thing. What, what in your life has changed as a result of this? Cause I mean, we, we've obviously, you know, time has moved on COVID. Hopefully we're off the back end of it, you know, and, and what has changed for you and what do you see coming up or coming up differently?
1: So I think uh, first and foremost, uh, my relationship with my wife is even better. We were we didn't have a bad relationship before, but I think we're a lot closer now. Uh, I believe with my sons as well, we're we're a lot closer now. Uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not grumpy, Dad. Uh, two of them, two of them don't live at the ho- at home anymore. But the third, you know, they're they're off at school and uh, off off uh, at, at his job. But when they come home, you know, it just we just seem to really appreciate each other and and i think the fact that they feel appreciated they they then return that to me and and so i think at the core that's that's the biggest thing is my relationships with my family i would say the the job my my day job has gotten better because i don't stress about things where i don't have control over and i just work at the things that i have control where I can, where I control, where I can make a difference. I think that's gotten better. I have had opportunity to speak to groups because of this and, and spread the message. And, and I enjoy doing that. Yeah, you know, I, I enjoy getting up in front of a small group, a big group, any size group, I, obviously COVID took that off the plate for a while, but now it's, it's back on and, and just, you know, Laughing, uh, sharing stories. I, I speak, but I always like, hey, what's great in your life? Come on, you know, share what, what, what's great for you? And and people love to tell. You know, it's it's my grandson. Boy, if you got if you got any grandparents in the room, as soon as you say what's great in your life, oh, my granddaughter, my grandson. I, t- I keep telling, them, I got to get me one of those someday. Um, not really up to me, but got to get me one of those. And and. So it's just been this, my relationship with people in general, and I guess my relationship with the world in general has changed for the better.
0: Are you in the best place ever?
1: I think so. Yeah. And I think it's going to get better.
0: Are you where you're supposed to be then? Yes. For for
1: this point in my life, I am where I'm supposed to be. That's... Hey, you know what? That's a very good question. I think people ought to ask themselves that. I think, I, I think I'll think write that down um, because I've read that too. It's, you know, the, one of the ways to manage stress is right now, am I where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm supposed to do? And if the answer to those two is yes, then everything else, it, if I'm doing what I'm supposed to be in this moment and I'm where I'm supposed to be, then the rest of this shouldn't enter into the equation. I should be not stressing easier said than done. Right. But I should be having the time of my life. And I am.
0: How, how did stress serve you? Ooh. Before. Um, well,
1: I think early on it, I, I worked hard. And, you know, wanted to, wanted to solve all the world's problems. So I think it served me in that it got me some promotions early on, um, and got me more money at the time. Um, I, you know, yeah, so, so you're getting, so I'm getting the, I'm getting promotions and I'm getting a, a, a better pay rate, but at what cost? right? Because I I was lucky in that it wasn't that, you know, you got that widow maker, they call the, or you got that artery, they call the widow maker. And it's it's named that for a reason. And fortunately that wasn't the one on me that got blocked and caused a heart attack because, you know, I, I would have been dead and, and all the stress that, you know, made my life more comfortable and, and made the job maybe and got me promoted really wouldn't have helped a whole lot. So, that, that's not to say that acting that way didn't get what well, there were some benefits to it, right? So I'm just wondering, I really
0: about yeah, that. Yeah, it's just I mean how how stress manifests, right? Because you know don't set out at the start of your career going right. Let's so I need to be willing and keen and stressed and blah blah blah. You know, right? So it's something that builds up as a byproduct, or or maybe it's a byproduct. I don't know, but it does serve us somehow, right? It's a is it event for missed opportunities? Is it a manifestation of frustration or, or sort of opportunities that never were, I don't know. It's just, I'm just curious because everything, I, I believe everything serves us the good things and bad things. We choose the good and we choose the bad too, but sometimes it's a bit, you think, why the hell would I choose this? And it's like, we well, are, yeah, but part of you has, I believe.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. There's some reason, there's something about you, every choice you make, you thought, this is going to benefit me in some way. Nobody ever really makes a, a choice that says there will be absolutely zero benefit to me, and this will completely screw up my life, 100 percent guaranteed, I'm going to choose this path." There's something, you know, if um, you know, I, I used to smoke cigars before the heart attack. And I chose to smoke the cigar because I felt good while I was smoking the cigar. You got a little hit off the cigar and it, and I enjoyed it. Um, And, and my doctor told me that as long as it was less than one a month, most months I could live with that. uh, I was going to be okay. But yeah. On the surface you'd say, why would you choose to smoke cigar? Well, in the moment it was going to be enjoyable. Right. So in the moment that stress was going to serve me, it was going to make me, Power through, get the job done, um, answer the complaint, whatever whatever needed to be done. The, the problem is with stress, you know, and, and I've read that there's good stress and bad stress. And, and good stress is like, I'm going to go out and run today. And that's going to put some stress on my body, but it's also going to improve my cardio, improve my muscles, et cetera. And then there's just bad stress where I'm just going to worry and freak out about everything. And, and that's bad from the get-go, but even good stress, if you don't take a break from it becomes bad stress. And, and it's, it, it hurts your brain and your heart and uh, you know, all those hormones get out of whack. So you got, you got to choose your stresses and, and there is still some good stress. I mean, exercise for me is a good stress. Um, for for one example, it's going to sound a bit bizarre, but do you, do you miss stress? No. So that, that is a really good question, but but no, and, and the reason is, I mean, I mean, because I still have some stress, right? Uh, I don't miss the unnecessary. I don't miss the, you know, I'm I'm going to stay up till midnight getting this done, and then get up at six in the morning so I can get back into the office, and and. and and get it all done. Um, I say that, but you know, there were times when team stress was kind of fun, you know, you bonded over it. So maybe there's a little, maybe, maybe just a little bit. Um, What I, what I don't miss was (coughs) the, after the heart attack fix and after getting the stents and and sitting there and, and the recovery and realizing (coughs) there is a, Sorry. There's a cost to all this. And, um, you know, people said, Oh, do you never, you probably don't want to have another heart attack. I was like, it's not the heart attack so much as the year of recovery afterwards and and the therapy. And, and after they put the stents in where you can't move for six hours and, and, and just all of that, that, that whole thing, that as much as anything is keeping me from, let's go back, let's go back to the constant stress. But you bring up a good point. I mean, there are times when the team is just working, working your butts off to to get this job done, and and you kind of afterwards you, you go back and you go out and throw back a couple of beers and say, you know what, this was fun. We we survived the the in we survived the uh, war together. Looking for a different word there, but war yeah. will war will suffice, yeah.
0: It's interesting, because I mean I've I've dyslexia and ADHD. And you know, the way one of my coaches sort of almost put it to me and saying is it's slightly reversed in that, you know, the closer we get to a deadline, the more the endorphins kick in and the you know the the tension increases and all the rest. Now, if you then swoop in and bring the solution and you solve it, well the problem is now you have a a sort of you know, you have this tense situation, but then you get this massive reward because you then get a, God, I got it just across the line. Right. And then the body goes, well, if you did that before and it felt good afterwards, it felt good. The payoff was good. So let's do that again. Let's procrastinate a bit more and see how close the deadline can we push it a bit further? Right. So yeah, Yeah, I've been there. So the stress almost serves you in a way of going, Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't even get started till I've had five coffees and it's at least two hours before deadline or what, whatever it is. Right. And then that's when you you start to wake up and, and, but it's, it's a twisted mentality because it's like going, yeah, this is also going to put me in hospital, but, but that's my moment of genius. Right. So go figure.
1: It's that's, that's really good. Years and years ago, I played on a softball team And, uh, we, we got off to a great start and I think we won four out of our first five games. And, and the fifth game we were getting our brains beaten in and and we were down by, uh, I believe 12 with two innings to go. And we scored 12 runs, one inning and two or three the next, and we came back and won. And it was just, and, and we won like one game the rest of the season because it was like, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if we get behind, we're going to just rent come through at the end and went and we won like one more the rest of the year. It was that, that comeback was the worst thing that could have happened because we thought we were invincible and by God, we were not invincible. We were invincible. Uh, but, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, to your point, you yeah. know, Oh man, I got it done at the end. And, and, you may not think it consciously, but subconsciously you're thinking I can do it again. And maybe you can't,
0: but it's the same as you were saying earlier about the heart attack itself, right? It's like going, yeah, I'm not going to get it here. Listen, I can point to 10 other people here. They're going to get along before me. So I'm far enough up the the beach that I'm, I'm not going to get my feet wet till they've gone. Right. <laughs> and
1: life And life does not work that way.
0: And that's the twisted thing, right? So you, you kind of, you almost bargain. Is that ego? What, what is it that, that, that says that, that decides that actually, no, 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 let's point the finger. Those guys, you yeah, know, they've got it worse. And if I see those go down, they're my canary. If they drop over, then yeah, I'm going to start to pay attention, but only then.
1: It's, it's ego. I think it is. I, I mean, uh, my body keeps telling me you're not 22 anymore. And I don't want to listen. I, I don't want to hear it but I'll do something that's like, no, no, you are not that age anymore. You are, are not going to run that fast, that far, that long. That's, that's not where you're at in life. And you don't want to th- you don't want to hear that. And, and so that's why you say, okay, well, somebody else is closer to the water to your point. Hey, it, it'll get them before it gets me. And then, and then I'll pay attention. And of course you never would anyway, but yeah. You just, it's, it's ego. Nobody hmm. wants to admit, at least I don't want to admit that a weakness, right? If I don't have to admit it.
0: Sure. What would the, what would the pre-fill have made of this post-fill?
1: That's nice. Uh, he would have looked and said, post phil has got a really good relationship with his family. And and prefill has talked about it. And and if you go back to the the year 2000, in the job I was in, we we got acquired by another company. And they called me and said, "Okay, look, here's what we're going to need for you for the rest of the year, for the rest of this year. You're just going to babysit the systems as we convert them. So just be available if we need you. But we don't, we aren't going to need you. But we're going to keep paying you. And, and so what was a, you know, 10 hour a day, five days a week, and sometimes on Saturdays and Sundays job suddenly became yeah, check in with us every once in a while. And, and so what happened was I decided, I said to my wife, look, I can take the kids, to the babysitter into kindergarten, not a problem. I can do that. I can pick them up. But you know, yeah, I, it's, it's all good because they don't really need me in there anyway. And, and so once a week, I would take these, you know, one was a five-year-old and I think one was two. I would take them to McDonald's for breakfast. And I remember sitting there at McDonald's going, know, yeah, these kids are really cool. Yeah, they're my sons and they're really cool. And and this is a really neat moment that I'm having with these boys. And I'm, I'm lucky enough to have it. And I don't ever want to lose that. So I want to be there for their, for their, uh, baseball games and, and for scouts and for the, the, uh, shows at school, whatever. And, and for that year, I was able to do it. Right. And then I would always look back on that finally, but then I would say, well, you know, got to get this done get, because the new job, right. I've got to, I've got to stress out and I was a little bit better, but, but heading into the stress, I wasn't a lot better, you know, that, that one year fill was gone. So I think coming into the heart attack year, if I saw postfill, I'd be like, dang, that's the guy I always wanted to be. That's the guy I got to be for one year, and now he's got it. What did he do to to get there? And, and you know, without having a heart attack would have been nice, but what did he do to get there?
0: What do you say to the pre-fill now?
1: Dumbass. What were you thinking? (laughs) You know, um, you're lucky. You are so lucky. And I realize I am. Yeah. For for a variety of reasons, not the least of which is I survived um, and came out stronger on the other side. And, And, you know, all those things you were worried about before and sometimes still worry about, I'll be honest, you know. Oh, oh, I remember that mistake I made when I told somebody off in high school, you know? It, and, and so I think I would say to pre-fill, you know, A, you should, you should have done some of those things, but B, forgive yourself. And, and, and that's the other thing I do now is like, everyone's all like, oh man, I remember that time back when, when I did this and it was just, you know, I'm so ashamed of myself. And, it, and then I, I don't know you probably have, I don't know if you have the TV show Family Feud over there, the game show in, in Ireland. But okay, so there's two groups, there's two families, and they're trying to come up with answers. And if they give a right answer, they get points. But if they give a wrong answer, there's this big red block with an X in it. It goes <clears throat> on the screen. So what I do is when I'm starting to think about you screwed this up, you, you know, this was something that happened five years ago that you should have never done it. And we all do it, right? I just, in my head, play the big Family Feud Read wrong answer, get back to the right answer. And and get back to what's good in your life, what's working in your life, where you're at today. Because you are here today for a reason and worrying about the stupid things you did way back when does not serve you.
0: Were you out of alignment pre, in pre-fill?
1: Yes. Yes, um, absolutely. Yeah, because because if you ask me, what's the most important thing? If you ask me at any point, 2000 till today, what's the most important thing in your life? Oh, it's the family. Really? How come you're working so hard at the job? Oh, hmm. uh, yeah. The, you know, you, you were able to afford the, you're able to afford your car and your house and your vacation. Why are you working so hard at the job? Yeah. Are are, you're out of alignment here? You're out of alignment with your goals. I mean, you have spent, and I have spent a lot of time throughout my life thinking, what is important to me? And and what is important to me is happy, healthy family. Um, You know, and, and now making other people have, making other people's lives better, giving, giving back. And That's that's a new thing, right? But but the whole thing about the family and wanting to care for those close to me, I was totally out of alignment. Yeah. Did did I need to work? Of course. Did I need to take on all the stress and all the things that I was doing for work? No. No. And and when when I'm doing that and taking away from time with family, time with those I love, um, sometimes even recreation which can be valuable, then, then yeah, you're completely out of alignment. And I was.
0: I'm wondering if, you know, because that, that sometimes can be a trait of stress, right? You know, it's easier to go on. It almost doesn't compute. I'm not as busy as I've ever been. I've been busier. I've done more work or I've had longer hours or whatever, but yet the stress level seems to get exponentially greater. Um, it's almost this because the stress comes from the inner tension, the incongruency with, with self, you know, and it is ultimately that it's like, I feel like I should be frustrated. You know, I should, I should be further forward, but I'm here and I'm frustrated because I'm not there. And, you know, you know, from morning, noon and night, it's, it's a, it's a, it's draining, right? It's draining. It's stressful because I don't recognize myself. or I'm not where I should be. That's,
1: that's good. Uh, the other thing that can happen is, well, wait a minute, this, this friend of mine has, has a, a nicer car, a better job, a, a bigger house, whatever. Um, you know, I should be, I should be there. And, and so I got to work harder and, and you start chasing that or, or, you know, something you saw on TV. Wow. Wow. That, that mansion looks beautiful. Why can't I get me one of those, whatever it is. And, And you got to stop and say, okay, but are you happy with what you have? And is your family happy with what you have? And if the answer is yes, then it's like, well, then why are you worried about the other crap? Right? Why why are you stressing about something that makes no difference to your life and your life's purpose? Just forget it.
0: Uh, I I hear this, and it's, it's great with... A lot of people who talk about, you know, NDEs or sort of near death experiences, right? It's that an, an episode or an event or whatever can just shake all your, your value system going that used to be important. Now, you know, and there's so many things, right. But it can be super unsettling for people because they're kind of going, I used to be the person that the first one into work, I used to be you know, the hardest working, I had all these titles, all these things, everything that was going on around me. And then suddenly it doesn't mean anything to me anymore. But then if I'm not that, who the hell am I? And do, I don't know, I mean, almost a, an identity crisis. Is that, does that resonate with you at all?
1: It did. It did after, like right after the heart attack. Yeah, I think it did. Um, because I I knew, before I knew, what was going to happen you know, around, around the book and around speaking and around helping others. I knew I wasn't going to be able to do the work I did before. I mean, I, I was going to be able to do that level um, and, or, or I was going to have to work extremely hard to get back to it, to, to that level of stress and that level of work, and I didn't want to do that. So yeah, there was that, that period of time where it's like, okay, so what's gonna happen here? And, and fortunately, my wife said, You know, you've been doing this great things. So well, why don't you write a book about it? And it was like this light one. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It, you can do that. Right. We, we, we live at a time right now where if you want to write a book, write a book. You can self publish. You, you want to, uh, you know, my sons have, my two oldest sons have a, a heavy metal band that they're in, and they have, done two they've done one ep five song put it all together album and they've got another one they're in the works with they're uh, opening for red jumpsuit apparatus this weekend at a, at a club in ohio they they just and, and you know what they did it with a macbook my my oldest son has an eight-year-old macbook that we got him when he graduated high school and that's what they put it together with And they shot a video and and the whole video cost them like $200 to to do a video that's out on YouTube, getting thousands of hits for their band. It's just such a cool time to books or, or you want to, you want to have a TV show, get on YouTube, make yourself a TV show. We've got all these opportunities, but the key is figure out what you want to do. And, and, and it's a double-edged sword, right? Because you've got the opportunity and now you don't have the excuse. Well, I could have written a book but the publisher would have never picked it up. Nope. Sorry. You can write a book and self-publish. Oh, I could have recorded an album, but you know, um, I, I don't have a recording studio. No, if you got access to a computer and GarageBand, you've got a recording studio. You can do it. So there's no excuses. It's just that question of what is it that I want to do for myself or for others? And then do it. And once I got that answer from my wife, I did it, and things changed.
0: Uh, I mean, I think that's such a such a critical point there because the threshold has never been so low, right? And you you talked about you know getting bestseller status with your book. I mean, one to to put together a book, massive congratulations because I don't know, I've I've done it myself, and and of those that talk about it and those that do, it's probably, you know, there's there's probably one in 20 that actually get it across the line. So putting it together is an amazing thing then to get bestseller status, but then it does change things, right? But it, it's an amazing time to be able to do these things. And even if it's a book for one, you know, like like you said at the start of the interview, it's like, even if it's to share with five people or 5,000 or 5 million people, it's it's not about... Necessarily the number of years. The ego doesn't need to know how many is there, just it is the experience, right? So the experience can be enough. And, but yet, I suppose my my question to all this is why do some do it and some don't? You know, if the bar is set much lower now and it's easier for people to do these and, you know, sort of eight year old MacBooks and all the rest, why don't people jump at the opportunity? Good question. Um because it's easier
1: to stay on the path you're on. You know, it's that uh, a body in motion tends to stay in motion. a body at rest tends to stay at rest. If, if I know I can get up every day and just check the thing to off and get through the day and then, uh, you know, have, have my glass of wine while I'm watching TV and call it a day. And then and, and the next day, um, yeah, you know, there's, there's the old story. I don't have time. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have time really because you actually have 24 hours and, and that's the same number of hours that Gandhi had. And the same number of hours that Jesus had and the same number of hours that everybody else on the planet has. So you've got the time. It's a question of where do you want to spend it? And, and every time I think I don't have the time, all I got to do is look at what I did the prior day. And it's like, Oh yeah, I had the time. I just didn't want to gets back to that. Everything you choose, you choose for a reason. Yeah. I played that video game for two hours because I knew it was going to give me that little hit of dopamine. Well, then I can't say I didn't have the time to work on my book. Right. I did. I just wanted to play a video game. And, And so I think, I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it is, um, my wife said, why don't you write a book? And it's like, that's a good idea. And then, and then it's like, I almost made this contract between my wife and myself. It's like, yeah, I want to do that. And, and then, she, then I've got her to help me, encourage me. And, and so it worked out. I'm a big believer. If there's something you want to do and you've got a big goal or small goal, whatever, tell as many people as you can, because, um, early on, this was, uh, 2000, uh, actually 1999 was when, uh, we got in the United States, the TV show who wants to be a millionaire. And, and so I saw it and I said, man, I, that is really cool. I want to be on that show. And I started telling everybody, I want to be on that show. I, I, I'm going to be on that show. I, I want to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. And I would tell people and I would do all the auditions and everything. And the reason I told them was because I knew at some point in that audition process, it was going to be more difficult to continue than give up unless I had made these like informal contracts like, oh, crap, I'm going to have to go back to everybody I know and say, I quit. I gave up. I didn't do it. I didn't see it through. And I finally was actually on the show in 2003. And, uh, and, and so, but it was because, again, I told everybody that, and, and once you start making that commitment, then you're going to find ways to, to pass the auditions, pass the tests and so on. And, uh, and it paid, it paid $32,000. So worked out well. and and that's also part of the reason why I now see things through. It's like, okay, it was a hell of a lot of work. I mean, it was three years of working and going to auditions and learning what I was doing wrong. And, and, and can I really say it's a lot of work? I mean, it wasn't a day job. Come on, Phil. It, but, but it was a lot of effort that went into figuring it out, but at the end it worked. So it's like, okay, it's going to be a lot of effort to do the book, but I know at the end I can do a book. And I know at the end, you know, whatever the next thing is, I can do it. So, um, now I answered about 10 questions right there.
0: <laughs> it It's an amazing thing of what achievement does to the brain, doesn't it? As soon as, mm-hmm. as soon as you cross the finish line, as soon as you hold the print copy, whatever else as, you, as soon as you get on the show, then suddenly you go on, yeah. Well, of course I could do another show if I wanted to, of course I could, you know, run a half marathon, of course I could, you know, print a, print a book or do, and suddenly the brain just, it it just locks in. Um, and I, I'm just wondering, is there almost a mentality of the, the gratitude and the, and the, you know, sort of the, the things, you know, great things happening every day is it, is it almost a, a, a forecasting sort of living your future in the now? Is that intentional? No, but it, but it works that way. Hmm.
1: It wasn't intentional. I, this one I fell into, you know, the, the, the book was a goal that I had to work through and get done the the listing, what the great things were, was just something I started to do. And, and it was after I had committed and started doing it, my wife said, you're onto something here you, you are on to something here. I was like, I know, I don't know what it is, but I know it's something and I'm going to keep doing it. And, and so, you know, a couple of things, right. You can evolve into something, which I did there, or you can say, I, I totally want this particular thing and, and throw yourself into it
0: and get it. Yeah. What doing the book, what did it teach you? What did you learn? patience, (laughs) um,
1: how to organize. Yeah. I I know how to organize, right. But I don't know how to organize a book. Um, and and, you know, when I was in college, they told you, okay, if you're going to write a paper, you you need to put all your points on, um, the little three by five recipe cards and write them down and, and then organize them that way. And there was some of that, and and there were Word documents all over the place. Um, it taught me that it took longer than I ever would have thought to get it done. Um, it taught me the value of saving and backing up my work. Uh, it... <laughs>
0: That sounds painful.
1: <laughs> not as not as bad as it could be. You know, oh, inversion control was always, you know, I'd, I'd be swearing what version was that in? <laughs> um, I, I learned a lot about Microsoft because I could, okay, I remember I used the following words. Let's find that version, right? Um, and, and um, it taught me it can be fun, you know, all along. And, and it also taught me see that the book is a Kindle book and it's also a, uh, a soft, co- soft cover hard cover book and you know I thought oh well you just push the button and it'll go Kindle and then it'll go soft cover hardcover. it taught me that those two are completely different different fonts different ways to lay it out all of that um, but, but the, the one thing I will say is it gave me an opportunity to learn and I was like I'm going to learn through this I'm not going to sit here and say it's a pain in the butt because this is something I want to do. So I'm going to learn, and uh, and and it taught me that you can have these like wonderful aha moments. It, my my wife and youngest son and I were sitting at a uh, cafe at a bookstore, and and we went there because I wanted to look at what covers looked like for the book for the book. Just you know, what kind of covers catch my eye? Okay, and, and so we're sitting there talking. And um my wife said, what about that picture we've got of Tom, our youngest, on the beach? And, and so I've got the, I've got a pen and I've got the napkin from the books from the bookstore cafe, and I'm drawing up. This is what the cover of the book is going to look like. And then, and then it's like, okay, I got this dirty napkin with this drawing on. It. I've got to save it because this is my cover. And ultimately it, it became that. There, there he is on the beach. And um had to learn how to crop the photo and lay everything in and use some software. But it it was a learning, but it was also this like really cool moment where you know the light went on for all of us. And my son was like, you're gonna use that picture of me. That is so cool. And then there's a little stick figure of of my son Tom on the beach with the my really poorly drawn waves. And it's like this is going to be the book. And and I think I probably put that in great things for the day that day.
0: Do you have a Any rules for the great things of the day? Is there, is there what it can be or can't be? Is there, has to be a, is there a, it's a start in a certain way I am grateful for? Or I don't know.
1: No, um, I've learned along the way, um, you know, one day and, and this was something I shouldn't, shouldn't have done. I should have just passed for a day. We had um, our, our oldest dog years ago passed away. And I was like, well, I still want to put great things. So I'm going to list, you know, and she had been sick for a month. So I wrote a list of everything that was great about the dog because I knew I couldn't do it in the moment. Hmm. And and so, you know, all these great memories I have about my dog. And so I put the post out there. I said, you know, we, we, our dog passed away, but here's all the great memories I have about it. And I think I would have just been better off to say, you know, our dog passed away. We, We loved her. She was awesome. And, and I'll be back tomorrow. Um, Cause it was, it was almost, you know, BS that, oh, look, I'm having, I've, I've got great memories today. I didn't, they were, they were constructed ahead of time. Cause I knew that day was going to be awful and, and we knew it was going to happen. So it's just like, you know, be honest, right? It, today is a crappy day and, and tomorrow's going to be better, but today is a bad day. So I'm not going to blow smoke up everybody's butts and say that today is a great day. And, and here's, what's great about it. Y'all, you know, I'm taking a day off. And I think everybody would have said, you know, that's, that's real. Um, yeah. Beyond that. No, I don't have rules. It's just like, I'll sit there and think for a minute. Um, I I like to tag other people that I was, you know, that I, I run into somebody and it's like, we had a two minute conversation in the grocery store. It's like, Hey, I ran into so-and-so at the grocery store. And we had a great conversation. It was just, and, and they're like, Oh, wow. You thought it was great. It's like, well, yeah. You know, we, we talked about our kids for two minutes. So what's not great about that. Of course it was great. And, and so it's not a rule, but if I've, if I've run into somebody, I like to acknowledge them and, and say, you know what, you made my day. Great.
0: Thank you. Will you change? Is this transformational? Has it been transformational for you?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, now I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not sarcastic anymore because I still am. I, I <laughs> really, I have the gift of, yeah, yeah I really yeah, like I was going to change from that. Uh, it, I, I have the gift of sarcasm, um, but I, it is transformational in that if I'm, if I'm being sarcastic now, it's to be funny and it's not to complain, right? It, because sarcasm and any other thing can be used humorously, you know, and, and, and to make other people laugh, or it can be used to be a jerk. And, and I was really good at both of them in the, uh, in the prior era. And and I like to think I'm not perfect. I, I can still be a jerk. Um, and you know, hopefully nobody from upstairs is going to shout down. Yeah, you are. But um, <laughs> but that said, um, I, I think I tend to I, I tend to have moved from sarcasm and negativity as the first response to something more positive as the first response.
0: What was what was money felt like? Were you, were you as a child? <laughs>
1: Minnie Phil always wanted to be a baseball player when he grew up, uh, and and you know you're young and and you don't stop to think about I could be a major, you know I'm going to be a major league baseball player someday. Well, you know the fact that you always get picked last when uh, you're playing on the playground might might be a clue there. <laughs> so, M- Minnie Phil loved sports. He wasn't he wasn't great at it, but he had fun doing it. Um, Minnie Phil was the class clown and and had many detentions because he always wanted to make people laugh at pretty much any cost. Um, and, and the cost was, you know, time in the hall, uh, time after school, uh, visit to the principal's office, all those things. Uh, and he didn't care. <laughs> he, he just, it, it was like getting people to laugh. And, and I still, when I speak, I want people to laugh because then I know they're with me right? If, if we're sharing a laugh uh, then I know we're with me, you're, you're with me, right? We're, we're connecting. Now that's a little different from many Phil who would do anything for a laugh and, and use any kind of humor and excuse me, potentially humor that could hurt somebody else at someone else's expense. So he liked to, uh, he liked to be the center of attention. He liked to crack jokes, um, the baseball player thing was never really going to happen. Uh, then the next thing he wanted to do was be a disc jockey on the radio because I thought that would be cool. And, and so I met a disc jockey and uh, worked a little bit with him. And he said, yeah, you've got what it takes. He goes, by the way, do you know how much I make? And he told me how much he made. And I was like, I don't want to be a disc jockey. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Yeah, yeah, it don't pay well at all. Um, And and I had an uncle who was in computers and and he drove a Corvette and I'm like, yeah, computers and Corvettes sound like more fun than a disc jockey and ramen. So uh, I I went the computer route and and I always thought computers were cool. So, uh, but there wasn't as much opportunity to make people laugh in the computer field.
0: Got to be honest. Hmm. Do you, I mean, you know, really sort of doing the great things and humor? Will they merge more? Do you think? I mean, where where do you see this going?
1: Oh, they they do. I mean, this has been five years, and and every chance I've got to do something funny within within the post, I put it in there um, because humor to me is a great thing. When when there's something funny and we can laugh about, uh, I always put it in there. There's there's humor in the book. Uh, there is an entire section in the book on what we call dad jokes, which are just basically puns and, and really, really dumb jokes. And, and so I went through Facebook because I will post dumb dad jokes every once in a while on Facebook outside of great things. And, and I, I took a bunch of them. I put it in there. I was like, you know, one of the great things in life, it's dad jokes. If you think dad jokes are dumb and you think puns are stupid, just go on ahead and skip to the next chapter because this is going to be nothing but the silly, stupid jokes that I have told my sons. And and they would laugh. You know, even now, my, my my youngest is 19 years old. And every once in a while, I'll say a joke so corny, it'll catch him off guard and he'll laugh. And, and he almost feels bad for having laughed at a really dumb joke, but then he'll go, you know what, dad, that was pretty good.
0: Credit where credit, G. You can't, you can't beat a good dad joke. Like, (laughs) no, no, I love a good dad joke. (laughs) Oh, that's one of those things. So tell me, I mean, if like for you, I mean, do you see more books like this? Do you see it, do you see it evolving? You know, where's it going to go?
1: Yes. I think, I think I want to do another, I'm working on another one as a matter of fact, and it's more focused on the things you need to do, um, tentatively, I think I can't remember what the tentative title is right now. It changes every month or so, but it's like how to keep stress from killing you. And just, you know, the things I've learned about stress management, you know, we talked about one, how you start your day is how you live your day. And, and so start it, Hmm. start it on a positive note. That's, that's one. And we can talk, you know, at length about that and, and look for the good. And, and that whole reticular activating system. And, and so I'm working on organizing the chapters around that. Uh, it's, it's nine chapters. I'm targeting spring of 2022 for that book. And it's, it's a how-to. So the, the first one, the great things happen every day, was about, okay, this was the journey. Here were the things I found. And they're kind of just listed with with stories behind them. And so here were the great things I found on a particular day. And here's some stories behind it. And, and so it's just kind of a feel-good book. But but basically, if if I'm going to give you advice, like, well, hey, read the book, you're going to feel better. It, and, and then start your own. Start your own practice. But but that doesn't really get into okay, the nuts and bolts of like, look, I've got stress management. You've been fighting this now for going on six years what have you learned that can help me? What are the points that you can give me that that can help me? And that's what the
0: next book is. Mm -hmm. There's a poem, I don't know, I'm sure you've heard of it, but it's Leisure by W.H. Davies from 1911. Um, More so when you were talking earlier about time and stress and things like that, you know, but it's, I mean, it's fairly well known, but it's, you know, what is this life if, full of care we have no time to stand and stare and it goes on but i mean it's it's that as you speak that's almost well, that's one of those things it it just feels like you know this you know really taking those great things it's taking the time to stand and stare and just say wow this is what's happening and and uh i salute that you know there's there's something very calming about it, it it's it's the reverse of stress. I don't know I don't know if it's as obvious as that, but it's it's the reverse, right? when you you take time to appreciate, you take time to you know um, it, it is you know, and you talked about percentages. It's like a random, beautiful fact that I always love. It's that i've I have three young girls, and you know girls when they're born, have two thousand eggs in their ovaries on, on average. Sorry. Two, oh, two million, sorry, two million eggs. Uh, so they're born. So theoretically, my grandkids are already present as eggs inside my current kids. And that's like one in two million. So you, you take, you're one of two million on the egg side and then the sperm side, God knows there's a lot more, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, and then you go, and we're made up of 7.2 trillion cells. So statistically, none of us should be here you know, and each one of those 7.2 trillion cells contains enough information to recreate itself or something that looks like it or a whole body or whatever. And the whole thing to actually then take time to actually stand and stare and you just go, this is awesome. <laughs> this is my hand. I could sit and stare at my hand all day and go yeah. The skin, the bones, the structure, this muscles, the, the thing. So yeah, it's, it creates a beautiful energy.
1: Once a year we we go with my wife's family to the beach on the Atlantic Ocean. And, and just every day my wife and I walk on the beach and, and you find a little shelf fragment. It's like this is awesome. And you'll hear the waves and you'll see you know the setting sun. And it's just it's so beautiful to be there on the beach you know, asking yourself the question, is this place I'm supposed to be right now? Is this thing I'm supposed to be doing? You better believe it. It absolutely is. And it's just such a wonderful moment. And uh, yeah, and you just take the time to appreciate it. You ever feel overwhelmed by the
0: the wondrousness of it all?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, you look at a sunset and you're like, holy crap, or, um, you know, before before covid i was traveling for my day job and and flying over the country and and you just look down you see these mountains and you're like holy crap and 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 then in the middle of the mountains there's a stream and and you don't know if anybody's ever been there and and the water is probably never warmer than much above freezing and, and you're like and I'm taking pictures out the plane window, hoping that something shows up. It's like, wow, you know, I'm up here six, seven miles above this, seeing this unbelievable scene. And oh, by the way, I'm getting paid to do it. I'm getting paid as part of my day job to go out there across the country. And I'm seeing this. Um, another one was my son and I took a week in 2019. And we went to Peru to help uh, build a medical center on a mission trip. And, and on the way back, we were flying in. It's uh, seven, eight hours of the flight. And, and so I said, I'll take the window. You take the aisle. Well, he took this green cold medicine pill and he was out. And, and so I'm sitting there, I, I got like two, three hours of sleep and then I'm waking up. I'm like, I can't do anything because there he is. And I can't push him out of the way to go to the bathroom. And I didn't, didn't really have to go. And then I flipped open the window and the sun was coming up over the Caribbean. And I was like, wow, yeah, you know, holy cow. You know, this is so cool. And you know, poor kid's missing it because he's getting seven hours of sleep. I was a little bit jealous about that too. I don't sleep well on planes.
0: There you go. Your your reward was a, an amazing sunrise, right? You it's know, true. But... And I
1: took a picture to show him what he was missing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was trying to have it all. So tell me, I mean, what, if you were to try and then describe what fire in the belly means to you in a couple of words, what would they be, Phil?
1: Helping other people. Help helping my, you know, it's always been, I want the best for my family and and whatever the best is. And the the best is they're happy and and they're healthy. And what are you coming up? So a while ago, um, I, I spoke at a church and the guy who introduced me was an old friend of mine. And he said, you know, Phil wrote this book. And it's called Great Things Happen Every Day. And he said, I got to tell you, I I bought it just before I had to have surgery to have one of my kidneys removed. And I read it and it just made things so much better for me. And I'm like, holy cow, I didn't even know this. I mean, I knew Russ had had the surgery, but it's like, he's telling me this. I'm like, this is why I do that. Yeah, You want to talk about fire in the belly. You're hearing if I only sold one book and that was the book. It was totally worthwhile to hear about a guy that got something out of it. You know, my little book, right? And so hearing a story like that, just, just one person and knowing that I helped make his life better. He's he's such a super nice guy. And and, and I I helped him. And it's just like that warmed my heart. Which uh, yeah it was the good kind of warming, not the heart attack kind of warming, um, and and that's the fire in the belly is I want to get the book to people, get that message to people, and and have them I- enjoy their life more. Um, you know, I've I've learned something. I, I got a fire in the belly to pass it on. I have you know. I am closer to retirement than, uh, than ever, every day, a little bit closer. And, 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 and so I've done the, the, uh, the secular stuff and, and continue to, but, but now it's about passing on knowledge and, and helping other people and just doing what I can to make other people's lives better. And I, I don't think I've got like this superpower or anything. It's just like, you know, oh. Um, my fire in the bellies to help you. Wow.
0: So Phil, tell us, where can people learn more, hear more, reach out to you by the book?
1: Okay. The book, uh, it's re- I make it real easy. philbarthbooks.com. We'll flip you over to my Amazon author page. There is an also, there's also a book out there I wrote a while ago about uh, professional sports in Cleveland, Ohio. It, probably not, this is not the target audience for that, but it's out there. Um Anytime, any first of the month, the Kindle books are free. I just set it up that they first of the month. So you know, if, you, if you're if you listening to this and you're close to the first of the month, just wait, go on to Kindle, grab the book. Um, I, I, I don't want you to have to pay for it, but I do want you to read it. Um, you can find me at philbarspeaks.com That is my uh, blog. And then you can also get in touch with me email me, It'll it'll link you over to my email, um, or, or it's Phil at Philbarthspeaks.com. and, uh, love to hear from people and I'm on Facebook. So if you look for Phil Barth, Ohio, you'll find me. Um, if you're going to start putting stuff out on Facebook about the great things in your life, please tag me. I, I love reading it. Um, I'll give you a like, or a love or a, a thank you very much whenever you want, you know, because that's a big thing in Facebook, right? And What would we do without Facebook? We'd hold up pictures of our family. Go, Do you like it? Do you like it? Do you like it? So, so um, yeah, find me on Facebook. uh, Tag me if I'm making a difference in somebody's life. I just love to hear it.
0: I love it. Is there a final message you'd like to leave with our listeners? Try it for a month.
1: You don't have to put it on Facebook. You don't have to put it on Twitter. You can write it down on the back of a cocktail napkin from a, uh, from a bookstore, but just list what's good in your life and give it a month and see how how much better you feel at the end of the month.
0: Love it. Simple. Phil, thank you very much. I appreciate you sharing and listen, it's, uh, there are, I'm sure, a lot more great things to come along. So thank you. Thank you for being here for today and thank you for talking. So thanks for having time. me
1: and thanks for what
0: you do. Thank you. Pleasure. Well, that was another great episode of Fire in the Belly. you know, this really wouldn't be possible without our great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys. And by the way, sometimes it is personal. It's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that the people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly and be the mightiest version of you.